The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Questions on the Michael Cohen verdict. Real global issues including Venezuela and South Africa. The solution to man's law. And addressing income inequality. Irishman stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This is the Freedom's Disciple show, exclusive to the Blaze, where you come for the accent, but you stay for the principles. I hope you're having a beautiful and blessed week. It's been a uh, rather interesting week in your culture and in your news And I actually want to kind of break one of my own rules today and in this show by actually discussing something rather political. But I want to do it from a very principled point of view. And I want to ask you some very, very tough questions. If you're a long-term listener to this show, you know I tend to stay away from the politics of the day. I tend to stay away from, is Trump good, is Trump bad? You know, sharing my opinion, am I a, do I think Trump is God or am I an ever-Trumper? I, I don't have any of those opinions. I try and do everything about principles. And this week, a lot of things happened that had been deemed really bad for Donald Trump. And I want to take a step back because I've watched the media coverage, I've been reading the headlines, I've been listening to talk radio respond, and it's very frustrating And there are certain things that I haven't seen a load of people mention that I think need to be addressed. And I want to take it step by step by step with you in a way that you find where you stand on the issues. So in case you're you're living under a rock and you don't know the stories I'm talking about, this was a really bad week, quote-unquote, for Donald Trump because two of his former employees have been found guilty. Michael Cohen has been has been found guilty, and so has Paul Manafort. Paul Manafort has been found guilty of eight charges. So, where do you start? Because when I watched this break this week on Tuesday and Wednesday, literally all I saw was the headline of what happened, and then both sides sharing their propaganda. The left went into overdrive and said, he needs to be impeached. See? Impeachment. Guy has to go. And the right responded by, don't be stupid. And it's all been about impeachment. We need to actually have a conversation about what happened this week. And ask ourselves what culture we want to live in. And what we are comfortable with. Before we get there, let's actually deal with the impeachment issue. If I may give some advice to those on the left and in the media who want Donald Trump to be impeached, here's a piece of advice for you. Change your tone a bit. You're becoming desperate. 
you're becoming predictable. You're becoming ever so clear. We all knew this anyway to start with, but it's been clear to even anyone who doubted this that you have an agenda. And your agenda is to impeach Trump. If I'm in my house and I shout fire and I'm like, hey, hey guys, there's a fire. Let's get out, get out, get out, get out, get out, get out, get out. And I'm like urgent and I'm like, hey guys, fire. The house is going to burn down. And at the same time, or in the same voice, in the same way, I'm talking to you just on a normal morning and we're all just going out for pizza. Or we're going out for, you know, breakfast or we're going to school or we're going to work, whatever it is. And I have the same urgency in my voice. I'm like, hey, come on, come on, let's go, 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 go. It's going to lose its effect on you. And if I'm like that every day, there's no difference of importance. It's all an agenda to hurry you up. You're going to start questioning my motives. In the media's tone, everything in the tone, in the presentation, in the severity, in the language is all about, let's just impeach him. Even no matter how ridiculous the idea is, or ridiculous the evidence is, or in many cases, the lack of evidence, doesn't matter. The end, the end result is the same. We all know the end, the final destination of your journey. Regardless of where it starts and regardless of the journey we go on, we know at some point from your coverage you're going to utter the phrase, well, will this lead to his impeachment? It's predictable. It's boring. So change it up. If I may use a sports analogy, all you're doing right now is throwing fastballs. Just throwing meatballs. At some point, you got to throw me a curve or a change-up or something. Because I'm sitting fastball, and it's the same pitch every time, and it's getting repetitive. And quite frankly, from my point of view, it's getting boring. So let's deal with what happened this week. Is Donald Trump going to be impeached because of what happened this week? Everyone I have heard, and most people I have heard say this, has either been yes or no. I'm going to tell you the truth. I don't know. And I'll tell you why I don't know. The answer is, is because impeachment is not a legal aspect where you go through the legal system of, okay, you get, a, you get an accusation against you and you got to defend it. And then, you know, you get judged by a jury of your peers. Impeachment in America, even though it hasn't happened very much, but today is a very political thing. It's not based on any logic, reason, or law. It's, is there the political will? There's always this unwritten rule, give or take a few points. There's this generally unwritten rule in, in politics that if your approval rating goes below 30%, you're in the danger of impeachment. Even if you've done nothing wrong, you could be the most squeakiest clean guy or girl, or whatever you are. doesn't matter whether you're white or colored. If you're under 30% approval rating, you've got to start looking out, because eventually people are going to go, they need to go. And they're not doing us any good. But what happened this week? Two people committed two crimes... And we're found guilty. Some questions for you. If I was sitting back in an American and I didn't actually care about principles, really, I would look at this case, especially the, the, the Michael Cohen case, 
Michael Cohen case is more apt for Donald Trump. We'll talk about Manafort in a minute, but Michael Cohen is the big case. It is clear to anyone, if you don't have a bias and you don't have an opinion, you're just looking out for the rule of law. There are people out there who are just like purists on the law. They just care. If you just care about the law, it's clear campaign finance and how you spend your finances of your campaign are very unclear. And unclear, and by the way, in case you're thinking this is a big unclear to, well, of course it's unclear, there's, you know, left and right can't agree on anything. The right can't even agree on it. I saw two pieces this week where um, both Mark Levin and Andrew McCarthy, I think it was, I could be wrong on the people, disagreed with each other on the whether it actually was a violation of campaign law. I think Mark Levin said no, and Andrew McCarthy said yes. I apologize if they're wrong. I'm, I've read so much this week, and I'm just going through. But on the right, two right, quote unquote, right wingers disagreed. So, what is the law on campaign finance? It is vague at best. If that's what you care about, I think you need to have a sit down and a conversation and go, let's have a conversation for all sides. If you're someone like me who cares about principles, I'd actually like you to take the conversation a lot deeper. And this is where I want to talk to you today. For me, if I may share my opinion, if you're, if I was in the court of public opinion and I could represent the side, I would represent the side and do my best to make the case that campaign finance laws are a violation of the Constitution. And they are unconstitutional. Let me ask you some tough questions. And again, this is not about Donald Trump. Just... Make make this about candidate X, whether it's Democrat or Republican. Let me ask you some tough questions. Let's assume I'm an American for a minute. American citizen and I'm legal. Is it fair that someone can come to me and say, hey, John, look, I know, again, this is a totally made up person because this isn't me. I I don't care how much you earn. You have a limit. I'm going to limit how much you can give to candidates. Okay, is that right or wrong? Let me ask it to you in a different way. And let me ask it to you in a way of the Dinesh D'Souza case. I have a long-term friend who's running for Congress. And I want to give her $10,000, $20,000, $50,000 of my hard-earned money. Should anybody be able to stop me? Honest question. Should anyone be able to stop me? If so, why? On what grounds can you stop me? On what principle do you think you have a right to tell me who I can and who I can't give money to and how much I can give? Because here's what I would argue. It's unconstitutional and goes against the founding principles of America. We'll start in the first place, where all foundational stones, for my opinion, are built. All men are created equal. Well, if I truly believe all men are created equal, how can I tell another man or woman how much they can spend their money on? 
if I truly believe all men are created equal, who, who am I to say you can't, you can only give X amount of money to that candidate? You can only give X amount of money to the, in this campaign. Where you have a presidential election, you can only give $2,600 in the primary and then 2600 in the general election. If I believe all men are created equal, how can I have that and it be consistent? If you truly believe all men are created equal, how can you tell someone else how they can and cannot live? But secondly, the First Amendment says I have a right to free speech. I would argue, and I know some people who have disagreed with me in the past, but I'm getting, I'm trying to challenge you. If you disagree with me, that's fine. But my speech is in any way aspect or, or coming in in many forms. In many ways, I am speaking when I am giving money to candidates or causes. I'm going to tell you about a charity and later on in the show, which I'm trying to raise funds for. My speech is, I'm passionate about this this charity. I'm passionate about the cause. I'm passionate about the people involved. I'm passionate in making a difference. I want to help them. Should anyone be able to stop me? It's the same in politics. If I'm passionate about some of the reasons I, some of my friends are passionate about Donald Trump, Donald Trump must win the presidency because he's the GOP nominee. If that is my passion, who are you to come along and say you cannot donate more than $2,600 to that? If your passion is, my God, he's running against Hillary Clinton. Any, If Hillary Clinton gets in, it is the end of the republic. Who are you to tell that person they can't donate more than $2,600? If you think the Supreme Court, these are some of the reasons I heard, by the way. Um, these are actual reasons. That the Supreme Court is so key. Who are you to tell anyone what they can and can't donate? I believe that is a violation of the free speech, and I believe a violation of the First Amendment. I also believe it's a violation of the declaration and premise of that all men are created equal. For me, it goes against the idea of America. That one person can tell another person how to live. Now let's flip it onto the other side of the thing with the Paul Manafort, or not the Paul Manafort, the Michael Cohen. How he spent his money. Who, whose job, whose duty, and whose responsibility is it to spend and to oversee how people spend money? Now, this is a bit different. This is slightly harder to answer. Because while I can, I disagree, I can see the need for federal oversight. I don't agree with it, but I can see the argument first. I would make the argument if I had a side to choose on. I would say it's up to the candidate how they spend their money or their campaign. And if you're comfortable giving your money, even though they're spending it really badly, then that's your choice. Let me let me give you this angle. And it's a pretty close example to what's happening right now with Donald Trump. But let me give you an example. Let's not make it about Donald Trump. There's a candidate out there that you really like. They believe in the Constitution, or they believe in every principle that you believe in, and they have a track record, and you get them. But they have one fallacy and one failure in life, if you want to call it a failure. They've slept around. But they're running for high office, and they decide to pay some hush money. And they decide to use campaign finance. And you're okay with that, and you still donate. 
You still donate to their finance, the campaign, knowing that some of your money may or may not have gone to silence someone saying they had sex or did whatever with a candidate. Do you have that right? Do you have that right to pay, still give that money? Something to think about. Moving on to the next subject that was really frustrating with this. We live in a culture right now where we cannot have conversations with logic, with reason, but also very isolated conversations. We cannot have a conversation about what happened this week with Michael Cohen and and Paul Manafort and just keep it very isolated on that story without bringing in a load of other feelings and a load of other garbage. This, what your feelings on Paul Manafort and Michael Cohen should be totally irrelevant to what your feelings are in Donald Trump. What Michael Cohen did, Michael Cohen did. He was found guilty. What Paul Manafort did, Paul Manafort did. And he was found guilty. Can we have an honest conversation about each and every one of them without bringing all the other, all the other garbage and the, all the other baggage in? Because everyone wants to make this about Donald Trump. And in many ways it is, but in many ways it's not. Especially Paul Manafort. There's only one thing that is key. There's, sorry, there's two things that are troubling about Donald Trump and Paul Manafort. The first one is, and this is not saying Donald Trump is a bad president. This is not saying you shouldn't vote for him. This is just calling it out as it is. Donald Trump has questionable at best, at best questionable, a track record of hiring good people. Even though he loves to go around saying he hires the best people, he has a track record, especially in politics, of not hiring good people. Again, just because I say that, and if you agree with me, I'm going to give you the proof of this in a second, does not mean you shouldn't vote for him or that he's a bad president or that he should be impeached. But he does show... Something in whether it's him directly or whether he's allowing members of his campaign to hire people. Whether it's Steve Bannon, whether it's Michael Cohn, whether it's General Flynn, whether it's Paul Manafort, whether it's Amarosa. Now, thankfully, to his credit, because you when you when you give out and you call someone out for doing something you think is wrong, you have to give credit. To his credit, a lot of these bad people are no longer in the administration for one reason or another. But that is the thing I learned for you that proved this week from Donald Trump. But that wasn't a this week thing. That was before he was even president. There wasn't very many people I know who would have went, you know what? Donald Trump's hired Paul Manafort. That's a great hire. Paul, Donald Trump has hired Amarosa. That's a great hire. Most people were pretty consistent from the start going, what are you doing? The other thing, and I will finish this topic up on this, is what defines you? What are you willing to defend? Because everyone wants to defend either Trump is God or Trump is Satan. The truth is neither is true. Donald Trump has done a lot of good things. I've I've called I've called him out when highlighted for when I disagree with him, but I've also highlighted when I think he's done good things. 
while not perfect and not historic in any way, shape, or form, I think the tax bill's a good bill. I would have went a hell of a lot further, but hat tip. Anytime you're giving, keeping, letting people keep more of their money, I'm going to be happy. Israel is a really good thing. Situation in North Korea, potentially really good. Justice, the first justice he nominated, very good. Kavanaugh, not so much. It's about being consistent. But here's the question that you need to think about. Are you comfortable defending someone potentially paying off lawyers? Or paying off someone who they slept with? Where is your line that you're going to get very uncomfortable with? That you're going to say, that's wrong, but they should still be president. I know this is going over an old debate, but it's still relevant. Which leads me to the last point. If, for whatever reason, I make a decision for the good of my political career, the good of my family, just because I'm lazy and I don't want the hassle and I decide to pay money, does that automatically mean I'm guilty? Because let's make no mistake about it. Stormy Daniels, as I, I don't want to talk about this girl, but she's not abused. She's not made any accusations about Trump that hey, he, you know, he slapped me around, or you know, did the whole Bill Clinton line of you know kissing her real passionately, biting her lip, and making her bleed, and then going, you might want to get a bit of ice on that. She just said I slept with him. You know, she slept. She claims to have slept on him, I believe, right after Melania gave birth. Is that something you're willing to defend? What defines you? Where is your line? And if people decide to pay money, whether they're guilty or not, does it automatically mean they're guilty? Because if you say in the general rule in society that says, you know what? You pay them off, you're clearly guilty, you're hiding something. That's a very bad precedent to set. These are the questions that ran through my mind that I did not hear a lot of people talking about this week. Should Donald Trump be impeached for what he said done this week? I don't think you can make that argument. High crimes and misdemeanors. Has him paying off Stormy Daniels through you know, potentially illegal method through campaign finance laws? Does that really affect his job as president? I would argue no. But it's very unclear to say definitely yes or definitely no. Because he's not violated his power to get there. You know, would if people have voted for him more or less because of Stormy Daniels? I honestly don't know. I don't think so. Did it get him any more power in the White House? Did he abuse any power? No. When I think back of the last 5, 10, 20 years of things that has happened in the White House, Donald Trump as a, you know, as an individual, you know, and then coming out as running for president that this is what he did, that is nothing. But I'll finish up, sorry, one last point. If I can give some advice to Donald Trump, and it's been the same advice for two years now. Mr. President, and I say this with all respect even though people would say, this is disrespectful, I'm saying this with great respect. Sir, please shut up. This week, when Paul Manafort, he came out and gave a press, he was speaking in front of his limo to the press, 
And he praised Paul Manafort and said it was a witch hunt and it was sad. And it was a witch hunt because he got off with 10 accounts. He was convicted of eight. When you look at what Paul Manafort has done and what Paul Manafort has stood for and the impact Paul Manafort had with Russia and Ukraine, he's not a good guy. Mr. President, as a general rule, please shut up. Makes you know to make things a lot easier. Don't give the press any fodder. But also, in Paul Manafort, this dude is not a good dude. And whatever loyalty or you think you owe him or something, I don't know what it is. I don't know you, so I can't comment. You don't owe him anything. Please, please stop defending him. Don't go anywhere, America. We'll be right back with more important news. Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn. On the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss the morning blaze with Doc. Chicago also allows non-citizens voting in school elections. So all across the country, liberal enclaves are considering it. This is a big push. This has happened in the past, but right now, because of Trump, huge push to give non-citizens, in many cases illegals, the right to vote. The morning blaze, weekday morning, 6 to 9 Eastern, on the Blaze Radio Network. Freedom's Disciple On Demand. On the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. As always, I'm pretty active on social media. Twitter, Freedom Disciple. Facebook, Jonathan Dunn 58 Drop me a message. Drop me a follow. Send me a friend request. I love engaging with you. I've been, you know, it's been a very eventful week. Engaging with you all. Talking to you about different issues. Different stories. Different principles. So I want to be completely honest. I... I Broke down the first segment and what happened this week in as simple terms for you to think about. Because that was all I heard about in the news this week, pretty much. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be totally honest with you here. Your culture really annoys me at times. I've said this for the longest time, but ever who can... I see such passion and such emotion on all sides for issues like impeaching Donald Trump that ever who can harness that into something more meaningful and something bigger will be extremely successful. And it can be either really successful good or really successful bad. Because my timeline on Twitter and Facebook, that's all I saw this week, give or take, You know, everyone loves to talk about how crap the media is. You know, I got a a very frustrating conversation this week with someone because I I dealt with a question last week, is the the media the enemy to people? And I dealt with it on last week's show. If you missed it, go check it out. You can download it for free. But someone who I've had conversations with in the past, but just... It's very hard to have conversations with them, you know, in a polite way, because it tends to be very abusive. But apparently, I defended the media last week. I didn't, because I 
the reason I think I defended them was because I said they're not the enemy to people in the traditional sense. And that I, you know, I never call them out. And it's like, how can you get what I said last week about the media as a defense? I, I don't know how you get there. I, I really don't know how you get there. I called the media entirely consistent. They are the media who they, they've always been. You know, they covered up World War Two or didn't tell stories about World War Two. Walter Cronkite was the person, single-handedly, who got defeat from the jaws of victory in Vietnam. That is not a legacy to be proud of. If that's defending the mainstream media, wow. I wouldn't like to see someone supporting it or someone attacking it. But everyone loves to talk about the mainstream media and how much they're so focused on Donald Trump. If people didn't actually retweet what the media said, even calling them out, media would talk to no one. You know, everyone loves to blame the media about all the bullcrap they're spewing. But on my Twitter on time, especially my Twitter timeline, my Facebook was slightly different. Because Facebook algorithms, like, Twitter is live. It's, you know, you go on to Twitter right now and what people are tweeting right now you see, give or take. Obviously, retweets. If someone retweets something a day old, it's a day old. But it's what people are tweeting about right now. When I go into Facebook, the algorithm is so screwed up or whatever. I'll get stuff from people six hours ago, 12 hours ago, a day ago. And it's like, then, you know, a story five minutes ago. So it's not real time. But everyone was talking about it can't believe the media said this can't believe they said this here's the defense of this of course donald trump can't be impeached the reason media write about it and reason media talk about it so much is because people are engaging with it i want to share some stories with you from around the world of what is going on right now that a lot of people are silent on now some of the people who you'd expect are not silent on it they're sharing the stories But we are going through a major, major change in this world. And we are living in times which are incredibly troubling, but also could be, I'm not Glenn, I'm not a catastrophist. I'm not, I don't, what I'm about to tell you will frighten you and kind of go, wow, we're really in a lot of trouble. Yeah, we are, but we have the solutions and we'll get to them in a few minutes. But let me give you like a snapshot of what's going on in the world right now as we speak. On the 25th of August, this is what's happened in the world over the last two weeks. That has gotten very, very little attention. Let's start in South Africa, shall we? In South Africa, they have decided that, well, you know what? Nelson Mandela is dead. His legacy we can ignore let's let's not do reconciliation how about we we actually go on a different route and what's happening in south africa is they are taking and when i say taking i mean repossessing farms from white people and are going to give it to not white people i'm trying to be as nice as i can here that is what is happening there is no reporting on this by mainstream people. It's, oh, well, Donald Trump. Does Donald Trump hate dogs? You have people going out there, who, admittedly, hilariously funny, not been able to spell the word respect. But when it comes to repossessing land, now nah, we're silent. 
the few articles I have seen about it in in places in the UK and around the world, they hide it behind the line. Well, they're getting paid for it. So it's not like I've heard people say that they're stealing the land. They're not. They're getting paid for it. They leave out some critical facts, though. They're they're getting paid for it. Is they're getting paid about 10%. One farmer got 10% of his land value. I can't remember the currency. I think it was dollars. But he got $1.3 million for his land. It was worth 13. Does that sound like a fair deal to you? Also, just from a you know future problem that you could foresee coming down the line. And this let's not take this about food or anything, you know, realistic. Take any job that you know. And then you go, hey, you know all you people that you do this job? You're gone. We're going to bring in a whole load of new people. With no experience, with no history, and maybe even no interest. But they're going to do your job right now. Is that a recipe for success in any industry? Does any company go, we just got better. We fired all the people with all the years of experience and knowledge that we have. We just brought in a whole load of newbies with no experience, no one to oversee it, and just went, hey, the company thrived. That generally does not happen. In fact, I don't think it has ever happened. Now when you add to the fact that it's creating food which you need to feed yourself... I foresee a lot of problems. In fact, I remember the old Ronald Reagan joke where the commissar, you know, during the Cold War, the whole commissar is going and he goes visiting a farmer and he says, so what crops do you grow? And he goes, oh, we we have the best potatoes. They're the most beautiful potatoes. They're gorgeous. They're soft. They're fluffy. They're awesome. And how many potatoes do you have? He asked the farmer and he goes, oh my God, if you were to take all our potatoes and you were to stack them on top of each other, they would reach the foot of God. And the commissar says to him, oh, we're, this is Mother Russia. There is no God. The farmer replies, that's all right. There's no potatoes. <laughs> that's an old Ronald Reagan joke from the Cold War. But that's what's going to happen. And what are we going to do? What are we going to do? That's South Africa. Let me take you to another place around the world. Venezuela. Venezuela is on the verge of collapse and will collapse. Venezuela is going through a horrific time. I don't know. People, I've been talking to people. I've, you know, We all have our own sources and people who are giving us information and real time on the ground. When you talk about economic collapse, it isn't like baking a cake. Because I've been talking to people about this behind the scenes, and the people saying, when do you think it's going to collapse? Is it going to be a week? Have they got a month? Have they got two months? Everyone who tells you that they can give you a timeline, they're, I would say either they think they're Nostradamus, or they're making an, a maybe a very informed opinion, but it's not realistic. It's not for gospel. It's not like baking a cake where you, you know you add butter and you add sugar and you add flour and you add a load of other flavorings and then you put it in at 300 degrees for 10 minutes or 20 minutes, however how long that is. I'm not a baker, so I don't know if that measurement is right. It's not like baking a cake. It could be, for all I know, it could have been collapsed by the time you hear this. Or it could happen in a week. Or they might get six months. You have that going on. And in case you think, well, what? how bad is that? Let me give you some of the stories that they're doing. They have raised the minimum wage by over 135%. That's a big increase in the minimum wage. 
Yet their spending power in dollar terms has gone down 60%. They are so hungry in Venezuela now, they, you know, all, this, all the animals in the zoo are dead. It's routine in some places for people to be going through trash bins. You ever gone through a trash bin looking for your dinner? There is major, major crisis. The government have full control, or when I say the government in Venezuela, I mean Maduro and his cronies. They are blocking access to medicine. They are regularly switching off access to, excuse me, access to power and water. You know, keep the people in line. You cannot have people out of line. What is going to happen there? Then let's go to another place. Let's go to... Where should we go next? Where should we go? Turkey? Turkey is going through a power coup. And I've, if you're a long-term listener, you know I've raised issues about Turkey. Turkey is, a very, is going to be a very big issue for America because Turkey's a member of NATO. It's trying to expand its influence. Erdogan is growing and growing the powers of the presidency. He's becoming more and more a dictator than a president. But it's going through major economic crisis. The currency has been devalued and devalued and devalued. People are getting to a point where they're really struggling to live. What happens there? Look at what's happening in Iran. Now, Iran could get very bloody very quickly, but there's actually a chance, especially under Donald Trump, that things could be a really big game changer there. The sanctions are really hurting. Again, you you know, to show you how I don't, I'm not here just to hate on Trump, him pulling out the Iran deal was one of his best decisions. I don't like when he says, let's renegotiate it, but he... You know, that's a that's a question for another day, but kudos to him, he's done it. And it has put on a lot of pressure. And Europe, of course, did what Europe does best, it falls, and it stayed in the deal. Didn't see the bigger picture. But what happens in Iran if Iran falls? Now, I don't know what's happening in Iran, and I don't know what's happening with Donald Trump behind the scenes. He's not saying a lot about it, but I let's put it this way. He's not Barack Obama, you know, going to start supporting the Ayatollah. But what happens with all the all the chaos that's going to cause? Now let's focus in on the last couple of places. Turkey, Venezuela, and Iran. You might all think, well, John, these don't really affect America. Because of the economy we live in right now, any global disturbance affects the global economy. You know, if I was to describe to you a, an investor, and when I say an investor, I mean someone who, you know, does this for a living, they get spooked really quickly. Investors in stock markets and in, around economies and how the economies flow, they love consistency. They love, even if it's a bad inconsistency, they like consistency. When markets get spooked, it's when bad things happen, and especially things they can't predict, and especially things they can't control. You see what's happening in Venezuela right now. It's really bad. A lot of displacement of people is going to happen. A lot of charity is going to be needed. Look at what happened in Turkey. Turkey's a big nation. 
You look at what happened in Iran. If these people start moving, if there's major displacement of people, if there's major murdering of people, what's going to be the reaction? Is the world just going to go, ah, that sucks? Or is the world going to get involved? And what side are we going to be on? Are we go- is there going to be a good side or is it going to be, again, once again, the choice of the lesser of two evils? Let's go further afield. Let's go back to North Korea because North Korea hasn't been in the news recently. North Korea. The UN released a report this week that said, we have suspicions they're actually still building nuclear weapons. Now, I shared this and I spoke to you about this a couple of weeks ago, but the UN are now saying it so... It's got more credibility, quote-unquote, as much as the UN. The reason I say, you know, because somebody said this to me privately once, said, John, you don't like the UN, you bash the UN, but then you say the UN has spoken about something and it's gained credibility. The reason it gains a bit of credibility when the UN speaks about it, it's not because the UN is a credible organization. It's just when it comes to dictators, they're usually very slow. You know, they're not like they're not like first out of the box, John, you're a dictator, you're doing something bad, stop. They tend to be very slow and calculated and manipulated. If the UN says something, especially about a bad person doing things, it does lend that credibility because they're saying it because a watered-down version of it and because it's they've got really big proof of it. The UN doesn't say things about dictators that even has a chance of been wrong. So that's why it lends credibility, not because the UN is some great organization. You look at what's happening in places like China, where churches have been burnt to the ground. Yes, that's happening in China. You see what's happening in China with towards Muslims, where they're going through re-education camps. You see what's happening in Europe, where Europe is really struggling economically in many ways. The strongest economy in Europe is Ireland. It's the one that grows the most each and every year. It's been doing this thing for the last three years now in a row. It's growing better than everyone else. That's the strongest economy in, in many ways, in many aspects, than in the Europe, Ireland. Let me give you that context in an American context. Imagine all of the, or a good chunk of the economic growth was in America was coming from Rhode Island. And again, I'm not picking on Rhode Island that you're, you know, a crappy state or that you're any, you know, that, you know, I'm not saying anything bad about you. What I'm saying about making that comparison is about your size. You know, a big economy should be the big leader in economic growth and be leading it. Like in America, Texas. Texas has led a lot of the economic recovery. It's a big, powerful state. It's a low income, a low tax state. Thriving. In many ways, Dallas is booming. Ireland should not be the market leader in Europe, year on year and year, for most economic growth. That shows you how bad and how weak other economies like France are, like Germany are, like Switzerland are, like Denmark is. That shows you a real problem. These are some of the issues we are facing around the world. And I'll finish up with one issue, which has been going on, that hasn't got much attention over the last couple of weeks. Israel and Palestine is acting back up. Now, there seems to be a bit of a ceasefire, but Hamas are backfiring rockets in on Israel. 
We are in a period of global instability. We are in a period of times where massive change could happen. And how we act or what we don't act, or what we say or what we don't say, will be critical. Because it's getting to a point where things are getting really critical. And it's time to make a stand. I'll finish this segment up by sharing one last story with you. Because it's different to all the other stories. Every other story I've talked to you about is a country. This involves a country and a company. Google are now working with China on internet access and blocking certain sites for Chinese people and working on a Google search engine to, you know, so Google can be in China, but it don't bring up like a Google, typical Google search. It will only bring up approved Chinese searches. Where is the truth going to come from? We answer that question right after this break. Don't go anywhere, America. You're listening to Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Disciple On Demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. Before we get into some of the solutions I want to talk to you about today, I actually want to share a solution that I'm doing right now. Um, I've launched a new project this week, and I'm asking for your help. If you were a long-term listener to this show, you know I have certain core principles. I believe in the free market, or in a version of capitalism. I believe in charity, and I believe in People doing good things. It's why I finish my show each and every week the way I do. America is great because Americans are good. Well, this week, to be precise, Thursday evening I launched a new project and I'm asking for your support. I have designed a great hoodie. It's a high-quality hoodie with a very, I think, inspirational message on it. It's quite simply America making the impossible possible established 1776. It's not a left-wing message, it's not a right-wing message, it's not a Republican or Democrat message, it's not a black or a white message, it's simple, a fact. I'm launching this hoodie, and I'm selling it on my website. If you go to freedomsdisciple.com, you'll see store. It's available in three colors. It's available in white, it's available in black, and it's available in gray. It's available in sizes from small to 5XL. Now, I'm not doing this for money for myself or for fame or fortune. What I'm doing is I'm doing my best, and I'm going to be doing this more and more as we go forward, raising awareness through products with a simple message that inspires. I would love nothing more than to see my hoodie be worn by kids on school campuses just to share that positive message, re-emphasize it. And also what we're doing is, because I believe in free market and offering something of value, I think it's a good value for what it is, but we're doing it with charity in mind. So $15 of off every hoodie that is purchased will go to Mercury One and the Nazarene Fund, which is helping rescue people from slavery, which is helping rescue 
Christians from the Middle East. It's going to help people. It's going to help stand against tyranny that we see around the world. We're going to be doing this over the next coming weeks and months. I would encourage you, if you've got a birthday coming up or you've got a special occasion, or if it's just like you're in a similar climate to Ireland where it's starting to get cold and you want a hoodie that's really good quality and just to buy, please consider checking it out. If you go to freedomsdisciple.com, look at store, you'll see that they're all there, sizes small to 5XL, in colors black, white, and gray. America making the impossible possible. So what are some of the solutions? Well, we need to identify once again what the problem is is that we live in in the world today. Because simply put, what you're seeing happen time and time again, regardless of the time and the actors, is you're seeing man's law be the rule of the day. And man's law, because it comes from man, is inherently flawed. Have you met the person that you can say is perfect, that is beyond reproach, that is right 100% of the time? Because I haven't. And I'm actually blessed to know some really, really cool people. People who are really smart, but they are not perfect. Man's law is inherently flawed. It's inherently flawed because it is made by man. But there's also another reason it is inherently flawed. It's flawed because people and times change. So you can have all the logic and all the reason if that's what you base it on, or the emotions, or what the status quo norm is of the day. That doesn't mean it's going to be consistent in five years. People change. You saw a prime example, and people are making fun of this. It's hilariously funny if you take the the seriousness out of it. The LGBQIABCLO, whatever it is, relaunched a guide to safe sex this week. And they no longer, in their literature on their guide to safe sex, they admit they no longer want to deal with medical terminology. Because medical terminology and science now apparently are bad. And what they want to do is, instead of calling a vagina a vagina, they want to call it, quote, a front hole. This is man's law, true and true. It changes. It's based on what you feel. It can be based on anything. It is not consistent. There is no logic or reason behind it. It's just based on what's popular, what we feel, or what one culture or part of society wants to promote. You see this in places like Venezuela. If it's a case of increasing the minimum wage 135% and lobbing 10 zeros, or I think it was in Venezuela's case, five zeros off your currency overnight, then that's what it does. There's no economic consistency. If it's a case of where in Saudi Arabia, the Saudi Arabian government are actually looking for the debt penalty for someone. Their crime... Among other things, posting stuff on social media that did not agree with its government. Man's law. Look at the Ayatollah. True theocracy. The theocrats. If you go against something that their religion says, there is no agree to disagree. You'll be whipped. You'll be punished. You'll be put in a, in a camp. You look at what's happening in China. If you happen to be Muslim, you're in a re-education camp. This is all man's law. 
It changes from place to place, from people to people, from time to time. There is no consistency. There is no logic. There is no reason. One of the reasons I speak out about the idea of America, despite it being unpopular or popular, regardless of who holds power, is because the idea of America is something fundamentally very simple. And it doesn't even have to be, John, look, you're never going to get the Democrats to agree with your idea of America. Okay, let's start right at the foundational stone. Let's start right at the stop. Do you believe in this principle? That there are certain things, that doesn't even, we don't even have to discuss what, there are certain things that are timeless. They will never change. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't even matter where they come from. I can sit down as a Christian and talk about my God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I can sit down with an atheist. I can sit down with a Jew. I can sit down with a Muslim who believes in Allah. I can sit down with someone who believes in Buddha. I can even sit down with someone who believes their power comes from a, I don't know, mother nature. That certain things are true. What your founders called nature's law and nature's God. It wasn't a Christian God, it was nature's God. Do you fundamentally believe that there are certain things in this world that were true 2,000 years ago, are true today, and 5,000 years from now will be equally true? Can we base and start a conversation and build our first cornerstone of an idea on that? Because if you can agree to that, then you're starting to the journey away from man's law because man's law will never agree with that they will never agree that something is timeless they'll always go well that depends even with the best intentions even places like democracies will never say that they'll never agree to it because they'll go well what happens if the people don't support it we i personally as a ruling party we may always believe in principle of x but if the population who vote don't, doesn't matter. Now is the time, more so than ever before, to start talking about principles once again. Because what is happening in the world, what is happening in America, what happens in Ireland, what happens in England, what's happening in Europe, it's all the same. Just the actors and the discussions change. It's all about man's law and this big crappy battle of left versus right. Ireland has a left versus right. We have a left-wing party, we have actually several left-wing parties, and we have a right-wing party. They agree, when it comes to principles, if you strip all their propaganda and all their manifestos back to a core on principles, they agree 100%. Where they differ is on policy. They differ on, well, we would spend it, you know, X amount of money on over six months. Well, well, we'd spend it over a year. We'd spend it over five years. They'll differ on the amount of money. They'll go, well, we'd spend 10 million. You'll spend 100 million. But it's still funded. They'll differ on how they implement it, who controls it, who runs it. But when it comes to the overriding principle of should this do it, yes, they all see the same. Left-wing, right-wing, centrist, all say the same. We live in a world where man's law 
is key and we are empowering government. We look around at the solutions. Everyone looks to government. What's government doing? We have a housing crisis in Ireland. What's government doing? If you're a Christian, let me speak to you as a Christian right now. Imagine you die and you go to heaven. And God says to you, when you were in your time, there was this major issue. And you can pick whatever issue that's important to you. What did you do? Was it government's job? What? Imagine you said it was government's job to fix that. What do you think God would say to you? What do you think St. Peter at the pearly gates would say to you? It is not God's or government's job to fix things. It's our job. We're the people who are supposed to change the world. But yet man's law is so determined to get power. What you're seeing right now in America on a grand scheme with regards to Donald Trump and the media is they, it is a battle for power. Who has ultimate power? You see this on so many levels. The media are determined, regardless of what Donald Trump does, Donald Trump could bounce on his head and could say, I love every Democrat and I support every Democratic policy for the next four years. They would still hate him. Because a message needs to be sent. The media are battling for the power because the media think they are the moral arbiters of society. They put themselves on this pedestal. They put themselves on this pedestal that, well, we're the, we're the truth keepers. Only, only we can do the job. We can only be the ones who stand for something. And you see this in Congress, where you've seen this battle. It's, it's happening under Donald Trump and the GOP. It's happened under the GOP and Barack Obama. It happened under George Bush. This battle of who actually has power. If you believe in the Constitution and the idea that I talk about, all power shall lie in Congress. That's not my opinion. Those are not my words. They are words from your Constitution. But what you've seen over the last 5 years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, is Congress bit by bit are abdicating their power and are empowering a president, one man, i.e. a king. It is time to get to a point where we start empowering the individual. The answer to the problems that we face right now, we are going to go through incredibly powerful and terrifying times. I don't know about you, but when I see Google getting in bed with the Chinese government, I'm like, that ain't going to end well. When I read stories of Facebook going, well, what we're going to do is we're going to monitor people and we're going to give people a score from zero to one on how trustworthy they are. That does not end well. When I see people talking about more and more government, when I see people talking about government like South Africa, where they are taking land from the white farmer, that is not going to end well. Now, we have two choices. We can point out these problems and just go, that's wrong, and go, we're against that. Because everyone loves to do that. They love pointing the finger. Left, right, Republican, Democrat, Irish, English, American. We all love pointing to something going, that's wrong. I did this for a large part of my life. I said, that's wrong, but I can't give you the answer. The answer, and we need to start sharing it, is because we are going to start seeing countries fail big time. There is a lot of uncertainty 
But what are you going to replace it with? The idea of freedom, that idea that says, just leave you alone. That understanding that deep down there are bad people in this world. And it isn't a Catholic thing, it isn't a Christian thing, it isn't even a Muslim thing, it isn't even a male thing or a female thing or a gay or a straight thing. It is. There are some people out there who, whether they like it or not, or whether they can change or not, are just sick. They do bad things. They do twisted things. But overall, people are generally good. And that we should let people, I don't know, pursue their happiness. All life comes down to is two simple questions. You know, we can talk about the Founding Fathers. I can talk to you about the Declaration of Independence. I can talk to you about the Constitution, the Bill of Rights. I can talk to you about your history and give you all the stories. All it boils down to really is two simple questions. One, who knows what's best for you? Who is in the position in your life to make the decisions of what is best for you? Is it you or is it some general central planner through government, through an agency, through a president, through a congress, to a king? Or is it you? And the second question is, who decides, who do you want to empower? Who do you want to give power to to change the world? Do you want to give power to you to pursue your happiness or do you want to give it to someone else? Because the history of the world, regardless of whatever ism or whatever ruling party of the day was, they all said, I know what's best for you. Sit down and shut up and I'll tell you what's best for you. I can tell you what you can pursue and what you can't. And what you can and can't do. And when you can and can't do it. And when it comes to the problems of society, if enough people agree with you, I will fix them. I disagree with that notion because time and time and time and time again, it fails. Call me whatever you want to call me. Never Trump or pro-Trump or left-winger, right-winger, Nazi. I don't care what label you want to give me, whether it's a positive thing or a negative insult. I believe you know what's best for you. Even if you fundamentally make a mistake. Because people would say today, well, well, why are you going to let people eat what they want? There's an obesity. Yeah, people will eat what they want. Where we should have precisions through companies and through self-responsibility where you're encouraged to do the right thing. Have a healthy diet. What, so people should be able to get drunk anytime they want? I'm not saying that. I'm saying they should have that choice. And if we have good parenting and the Christians step up and true societal example, we will solve these problems. And when people fail, it will be people helping people get back out of their problems. But we should be empowered to fix things, not government. That is what it all boils down to. And if we don't start pointing out people, other issues around the world, but also offering solutions, we're going to keep making the same mistake time and time and time and time and time again. And what's going to happen is, as these problems get worse, like Venezuela, Venezuela, a lot of people are going to die. They're going to die because of starvation. There was a poll done and a statistic done. In 2017, the average Venezuelan lost 12 kilos. It's not because they they got healthy. 
It's not because they tried some new radical diet. It's not because of, you know, some new regulation on what foods you can buy. It was true starvation. The Venezuelan people are going to go through horrific torture and pain and suffering. Now, Maduro is doubling down on what he's talking about. He's going more and more and more power. Because he thinks this time it's going to be different. This time government will get it right. This time we will spend enough money to make it right. But eventually it will fail again. We need to be the voice of liberty. We need to be the voice that says that won't work. But this is what will. And if you need a track record. Look at how much society has advanced in the last 200 years. Why is that? Because people in some places, like America, were allowed to pursue their happiness. Where there wasn't a class system historically. Where people weren't looked down upon. Where people weren't dragged back down to the, to the pit where they belong. Where people weren't told, you can't do something. That was the whole point of the Emma Lazarus poem. I know everyone loves to get this wrong and misquoted to fit their agenda. That was a slam on the world. That was a slam saying, you know all those people you say can't make us? You know all those, those lower class, you know all those, those lumpen proletariat, if I may quote Karl Marx. You know, everyone you say is a load of crap and will never amount to anything. You know all those people? You give them over here. And with opportunity, them yearning to be free, they might make themselves something. And look what happened. Look at the amount of immigrant success stories your country has had. That is what that idea is about. And it isn't an American idea. I call it the idea of America because you're the only country to ever practice it in some form. But it can be shared anywhere. Who do you want to empower? And even today, who do you want to empower in your life? Do you want to empower Donald Trump? Do you want to empower Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell? Do you want to empower Nancy Pelosi? Chuck Schumer? Or do you want to empower yourself? These are the conversations we need to start having and highlighting very quickly. And not with hate and not with insults and not going, well, you're a liberal, you'll never get it. You're a Democrat, you're brain dead. No. Have honest conversations. Let's start building foundations and stuff we can agree on. Don't go anywhere, America. We'll be right back. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. The Glenn Beck Program. Media. Why do we have Donald Trump? In that eight-year period, you called half of America racist. You didn't even take the time to listen. You didn't give us that respect. You instead said, we are plotting against this government. We love the Constitution of the United States of America. We do not like the government and the way it is enacting those things. Because it is corrupt. And you know it is. The Glenn Beck Program. Freedom's Disciple On Demand On the Blaze Radio Network Thank you so much for sticking with me, America I want to finish today's show By Talking to you about an economic argument That we need to address And we need to find a way to address 
rather convincingly. And I also want to talk to you about just a couple of quick stories that are important and need to be hit on. First of all, economics. Now, bear with me because I know when I talk about economics, some of your eyes glaze over, but I'm going to try and make this very simple. I'm sure if you read anything about economics and reports from governments, America does these reports, Ireland does these reports, Europe does these reports, and basically what it says is it'll break down society and say, well, X amount of the population own X amount of wealth, and you know the, the top half, the top 1% own this amount, and the bottom 30% own this amount. And there's this cartoon which I came across recently in the last couple of days, and this is why I want to address it, and it says it's by Occupy wall street or occupy it's just occupying the big black fist and basically it's a picture of america and if you imagine the map of america and all there's a line going across about sort of south carolina all the way across to california and split in half and it says one percent would own the left side of it nine percent would own the right side of it the bottom half of it you know, sort of the the Louisiana, Alabama, Florida, all the way over to New Mexico. 30% would own that. The bottom half of Texas, 20% would own that. And then there's this red dot in Texas and said 40% would own the red dot. And this is to highlight income inequality. If we're truly to talk about advancing as a society, we need to ask some very tough questions to people who are not going to like the answer. So we have to ask it in a very factual, very logical way, but also in a loving way. When we are talking about income inequality, everyone should want income inequality. Anyone who thinks society can prosper without income inequality just has no logic or economic reason. Sorry, but that that is just the way it is. If you want a place, the closest place on the earth, and even this isn't a prime example, but the closest place to income equality is North Korea. They all have nothing. And the reason I say it's not a prime example, because there are people in North Korea who are extremely wealthy and extremely rich. The people aren't. Everyone should want income inequality. In fact, most people do, not by their words but by their actions. Let me give you a prime example. How many people do you know that would go, I just never want to win the lotto? Most people would go, you know, I'd love to win the lotto once. And by the way, even, don't take an American lotto, take an Irish lotto. The Irish lotto starts at about a couple of million dollars. And if, you know, it's not one, it goes up and up and up. And I, I don't know what the highest ever lotto, but I would say it's probably about 10 million, give or take, maybe a bit more. I know in America, there's lottos that are like 100 million. But people have this dream of winning. You see all the poor people, poorer people, they all want income inequality. They just don't like their position on it. But we use this argument time and time again. Oh my God, the income inequality, it's so bad, it's so wrong. We don't have complete sentences, though. We don't have complete thoughts. Because what you don't see is when you see, like, 1% own X amount of wealth. Let's say it's 25% of the wealth. 1% own that. That's wrong. Is it? You're basing your whole opinion on one little argument. Let's take that into context. How many ideas 
has the 1% created? How many jobs has the 1% created? How much innovation has the 1% created? And then you compare that to the lower set of people. The 40% who own that little red dot. How many people have they hired? How many jobs have they created? How many innovations have they had? We need to have honest conversations. We should want wealth creation. Because here's the truth as someone who is, in many ways, poor. And has no aspirations to be rich. I have rich people in my family. I always say to them, how am I poor because of them? How am I poor? Now, I can make an argument because I live in a socialist country that, you know, some of the the laws and the bailouts and hurt the economy and different rules and regulations. Sure, I can make that argument. But someone who has earned money through the private sector, I'm, they're I'm, they're not rich because I'm poor. And I'm not poor because they're rich. They had an idea, or they invested in the right product, or they came up with a, a great product to, to, to create and innovate and sell, or they found a niche in the market. They created something. Rich people don't get rich because of nothing. Like, Apple is not the trillion-dollar company, the first-ever trillion-dollar company, by the way, for nothing. It's not because some rich guy sat there and thought of it. It's because Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak were innovators. Well, more Steve Jobs were innovators. They came up with an iPad. They came up with an iPod. They came up with an iWatch. They created something that people in society said, hey, I like that. I'm willing to part with my money. And in Apple's case, a lot of people were willing to part with their money. That is a good thing. The problem that we have in society, and and this is where we need to have honest conversations with people on the right, is the system is rigged at the minute. Like when you listen to some, when I listen to some socialist people talk, when I hear them talk, talk about the problems and saying it's a rigged system towards big business and the rich people, they are absolutely true. Their solutions are garbage and will actually make a bad situation worse, but they're problems are true the government in a private free market economy has very little role very little to do the governments in ireland and england and america and europe around the world are not that government they are very much involved in it it is very hard to start up a business today I, I have always said this. If you if God gave you had a dream tonight and you went to sleep and God came to you in your dreams and said, I have given you this cure. If you mix a bit of this compound with a this, a bit of this and a bit of this and you mix it together at this temperature, you will form a pill and it will cure cancer. And you woke up going, Wow, God spoke to me. I have this I have the cure for cancer. Oh my god, I'm gonna do so much good. Great, that doesn't matter. It has to be approved by the FDA. It doesn't matter that God gave it to you. The FDA has to approve it. Because in business, God is less than the FDA. That is what you have. In many businesses, especially if you're doing something new, it doesn't matter what you want to do. If you, especially in like heavily regulated industries like banking. It doesn't matter what banks want to do in many aspects. It doesn't matter insurance, what insurance policies people want to offer. It's what you can do. It's what makes you compliant. 
It's what we all came together and said, you can do policies within this bubble. But if you think outside the box, no. That is a problem we have. And we need to address it. Which leads me on to the next thing. I'm, get, I'm seeing these articles. I, I don't know what it is, if it's a concerted effort in the media or different, they're just coming up at different times. But there's this ad, I saw this article in the Daily Mail about the, the Saudi royal family are selling their private plane and it's got all these things and it's got like a room for a doctor and like all these luxury equipment. It's like a private jet. And like the article's like, oh my God, this wealth and ever who buys this is, you know, dreadful. You see this article, you know, who buys Ferraris? Who buys private yachts? All the millionaires and billionaires play things. We are so devoid of any economic sense or any economic logic. This is a good thing that people are buying private yachts. You know, we look at a private yacht today because we're so lacking in economic principles. We go, oh my God, millionaire buying a yacht. He doesn't need a yacht. Stupid. We forget about all the thousands upon thousands upon thousands of jobs that that yacht created. I know this might surprise some people, but a yacht doesn't become a yacht and then all of a sudden, you know, poof, it's created. You know, so when you see that millionaire and billionaire buying a yacht, because people, either a lot of people or some people, bought a product or a service because they said, hey, you can add something to my life. And gave their money of their free will, and they made profit. And he go buys, he or she goes buys a private yacht. Think of all the jobs they're supporting. Just think of that private plane from the Saudi Arabian government. All the metal that was needed. Think of all the uh, the metal process from been fostered to to been ore to been molded to been shaped. Think of all the rivets and the joints. Think of all the cables that were needed, you know, the, for the engines, for the air conditioning. Think of all the seats for the leather, for the cushions. Think of all the carpets, for all, the glass for the windows. Because I had a wife, I think of all the technology involved there. The wires, the wireless connection, the IT. You ever seen a cockpit with all those buttons? Think of all those buttons, the, 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 the technology needed, the innovation needed for all those buttons to work, for all the individual buttons, the, the little switches, all the plastic needed for them. Think of all the paint that was needed to put on them. Think of the painter who actually had to sit down and paint control or, or A, B, C or whatever else. It goes on them. We don't just think of it. We look at a yacht going, oh, that's a millionaire and billionaire. No one should own that. No one should own that yacht. That's just that's just throwing it in your face. But we don't see the economic argument of all the thousands upon thousands of people who played a small part in that yacht coming together. And if that millionaire and billionaire didn't buy that yacht, there's a chance they might be out of a job. That is what we are facing right now. We need to make these economic arguments. But we also need to do it in, go- in a good way and say, here's the, here's the thing. If you live in a free society where you have free markets and you have the idea the, the idea that your founders wrote about, that you're allowed to pursue your happiness and you're allowed to keep the fruits of your labor, if you work hard enough, that could be you. 
If you have a system and a product where you have less and less regulation and less and less government, if you go create a product or a service of value and people give you your own money, one day you could have your own private yacht if that's what motivates you. Or you could have a luxury apartment. Or you could have a fancy car. Whatever it is, that upward mobility, you can have that. Let's encourage people to dream and want a better tomorrow. Because right now, what we are looking at is pulling people down and going, you shouldn't have that. You shouldn't have that. And I hear this argument all the time. Well, imagine if, if, that, that, if the, we, that Saudi prince didn't have that plane. Do you know how many people that would feed? I don't know. Do you know how many people have him having that yacht is feeding? Because the answer is thousands. We are so devoid of economic principle because we are so hateful towards people who have something that we don't. We think we're so entitled. You are not entitled to anything in this world. you got to earn it. you got to work at it. And that end dream at the end of the day, if you're motivated by having a fancy car, good for you. Use that as your motivation. Put that up and work harder. Because the other thing you never see when you have all these income inequality is how many hours do they work? A lot of people I know, especially in a socialist world, clock in and clock out religiously. If their job is 9 to 5 and an hour for lunch, they're in at 9 o'clock. They leave at 1 o'clock for lunch. They're At 2 o'clock, they're back. And at 5 o'clock, they're gone. There is no incentive to be better. Whereas if you actually have people who want to be better and want a promotion and go, I need a fancy car, I want a brand new car, or I want a new house, or I, whatever it is, I want to go on a holiday. You'll go in early. You'll prove your worth, and then you would get advancement. That is what society is about. But when you have socialism and all this dragging down, and all these people from Occupy pulling others down, saying, you have, they have something you don't. Yeah, they also sacrificed a lot more. They came up with something you didn't. They have a lot more that you didn't do. There's a reason they have money. It's something... We need to have these conversations and share them with as many people as possible. Before we finish up, there's a couple of stories I want to share with you. And one important story. To the media. Again... This is the problem that we live, again, going back to man's law. Donald Trump this week, kudos, hat tip to Donald Trump, did something past administrations couldn't do. There was an actually Nazi living in America who was in World War II. And finally you deported him. Back to Germany. And this was called a cheap PR stunt. If you want to have any credibility, and this goes for anyone on any side, if you want to have credibility, you have to have consistency. If something is right, it's right. If Barack Obama had done this, I would have said the exact same thing. I would, kudos for getting rid of the Nazi. Should not be in America. Deport his butt. People like him don't need to be around. But because Donald Trump did it, it was all of a sudden a cheap PR stunt. Second story... People love to talk to me about privately, about how, do you know, John, the left are the problem in America right now. It's the left. It's all the left's fault. 
it frustrates me. It's one of the things that really sends my blood boiling because I'm like, that conversation is just not going to go well. Because I, first of all, it wasn't a wasn't it the left who uh, said I got to destroy the free market to save the free market. That was the left. No, that was actually a Republican, right? It was the left who got you off the gold standard, right? No, that was actually a Republican as well. It was the left who created the EPA, right? No, it was the left. Who created the term Hispanic, yeah? It was the left who just single-handedly destroyed the Fourth Amendment. No, they were all Republicans. If you have made things about sides, which everyone loves to do, especially in America right now, oh, if, are you on the right side? And it's all about, it's not about sides as in principles or is policies. It's about people. The Republicans are the biggest bunch of hypocrites going. They are worse than the left. The left at least are somewhat honest and consistent, and they're becoming more honest as they're revealing who they are. The right love to talk to you about a great game. Oh, if you elect me, I'll do this. I'll, I'll, I'll do this policy, and I'll do this policy. Y'all give them money, they'll get elected, and they do absolutely nothing. This week, Rand Paul introduced a bill because right now, the Republicans hold the White House, the Senate, and the House. Rand Paul introduced a bill to defund Planned Parenthood. And it's dead on arrival. But yet, Republicans, when it comes to the election in the next couple of weeks, will love taunting their record from how pro-life they are. It's easy to talk a good game. It's hard to live it. We, If we continue on this team mentality, nothing is going to change. In fact, things are just going to get a lot worse. Kudos to Rand Paul for at least highlighting and putting forward a bill to do something that pretty much every Republican, with the exception of a couple of quote-unquote moderates who are not really Republicans, have said for the longest time. Yet when it comes to actually doing it, do absolutely nothing. It's time to wake up, gang. How you act or how you don't act will define your future and and our future. What you say and what you don't say will also define it. It's time to change the world. Please consider going to my website, freedomsdisciple.com. Check out the store. Check out the hoodies. As I say, they're beautiful. America making the impossible possible since 1776. Available in black, white, and gray. 15 bucks off every hoodie will go to Mercury One. Please share it with a family and a friend. And we finish up today's show the way we finish up every show. Saluting the real heroes in society. Your police, your firefighters, your emergency personnel, and your vets. Ben Shapiro was supposed to be on this week, but I've confirmed he, he's a busy guy. He will be on next week's show. You're not going to want to miss that. It's going to be a great, great conversation about American history and some principles. And lastly, I salute you, the great American people. Mer- Never forget, America is great because Americans are good. America is great because Americans are good. Until next week at 12 noon Eastern, have a beautiful and blessed week. God bless America. Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on demand. The Blaze Radio Network.